Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Our Father in heaven, your heart is so large. Your heart for your people, your heart for this world. And you've expressed such an extravagant love already. And so many people have experienced that deeply. For this, we say thank you. Father, we confess though, sometimes our hearts can be so small. So we struggle through the daily grind, confronted sometimes with needing to forgive someone, to extend mercy or grace, or even compassion. In the midst of our weakness, we can still turn to you. Your call upon our lives is to come come to that place where we come to you our father a good shepherd who brings us to the green pastures and the quiet waters and who restores our soul father our desire is to be like you as best as possible in this life to love like you love, to be compassionate as you are compassionate, to care like you do. And so, Father, in the midst of all of the things that go on in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, that distort so much of that love, we pray that you will remove them and that your Spirit will fill us in such a way that we aren't just a church, but that we are a church with your heart not just for those in our close circle, but for everyone in this church and for all those outside. For those that we interact with at school or at work in our neighborhood. Jesus, we confess ultimately that you are the cure and we are grateful that you call us to care. In Jesus' name. My name is Frank. I'm one of the three pastors here at Harvest. And uh, what I'd like to do is, if you guys could put up the stuff in ministry thing, I want to start with a question. A simple question. Other than Alan Eaton, Pastor Alan Eaton, I should say, how many of you heard of something called Stephan Ministry? Raise your hands high. Don't be ashamed. It's okay if you have. All right. I know you have because it was in the budget. (laughs) Brings up bad memories for you. Okay, so a few of you have. So if I had to say... Uh, what is stuff in ministry? Most of us would be in the absolute dark. And, and their little saying is Christ caring for people through people. And uh, I came up with something like uh, caring people, caring for people. I think that's a, a, another interesting way of putting it. So stuff in ministry is basically a very intentional ministry that focuses on caring for people who are in crisis. And uh, if you don't know, our church uh, sent two people, myself and Randy, 
uh, last Sunday down to St. Louis to go to the Stephan ministry training. And uh, let me tell you, it was long. Uh, and it was indoors. And uh, it was at rough at certain points. But there was a reason uh, why we went. And so just to kind of give you an idea of what the week was like in some ways, on uh, the first evening, uh, people begin to share some of the things of, of why people need a, a Stephan minister. And a father got up. And he said, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons Stephan ministry is so important to me, and I'm paraphrasing, is that uh, my daughter had this traumatic experience where uh, she lost her fiancé. He was murdered right in front of her and uh, died in her arms. And so that's like one of the first stories you hear. And so immediately you kind of get a flavor of what this week is going to be like. It's going to be very intense because what you're going to hear is that there is a lot of pain that exists in the world that we live in, and much of it gets uncared for because there aren't people who are willing to go the long haul. You know, for instance, how many of you have lost a parent? Right? And uh, the, the thing about that is for a while, for the first few weeks, uh, people are asking how you doing and, and all that other stuff. And you, but your grief process doesn't end after the first few weeks, right? Uh, for many of us, it carries on for ages. But unfortunately, people move on because they have to move on. They have to move on with their lives. And a Stephan minister is someone who comes alongside of you and walks for you sometimes up to a year, year and a half, two years, to make sure that you're working through that grief. It's a very intentional and very intense, caring ministry. Now, where does this come from? If if you want to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. And Stephan's ministry has a very uh, biblical basis. It's a very important ministry. It says this in Acts chapter 6, and we're just going to look at the first four verses in in the first part of verse 5, and it goes this way. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephan, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and then six other guys in the midst of that. Here's the context. Uh, The church is basically growing by leaps and bounds. If you looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 41, you don't have to turn there, but on the first day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are added into the church, which is a huge number. I mean, and again, if you could put that into perspective, right now we have about, what, 120, we'll say, here in the room? So if you kind of... uh, how many times is that? I'm not really good at math. You're an accountant, Steve. How many times is that? It's your last Sunday, so you know I'm just going to put you on the spot, probably the whole sermon. Um, probably maybe like a 25 more times what we have. So if you imagine the amount of people, we're outside and suddenly 3,000 people become followers of Christ. That's a pretty big number. Because at this point, there's about 120 people that are in this room and they're praying and doing all these things. And boom, Pentecost comes. It's huge. It's large. There's a lot of needs there. But it moves on. Acts 2.47 basically says every day more people are coming, followers of Christ. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 4, another 2,000 people are added after an incredible miracle of healing a lame man for his whole life. He starts walking, another 2,000 people. So you can imagine, this church is growing and growing, and it doesn't stop. Verse uh, 14 of chapter 5 says, multitudes were added to their number. And as we see here in chapter 6, verse 1, it says that they were increasing in number. And then in chapter 6 of verse 7, we're going to see the same thing, even priests are coming. So if you can kind of picture the scenario, a lot of people with a lot of needs are coming to Christ in Jerusalem. The church is growing like crazy. And uh, it's good, because the thing about this church is, even though there are a lot of these people who are from out of town and are now becoming followers of Christ, they decided to stay in Jerusalem. So there's a lot more need. Acts chapter 4 tells us the real cool thing about that is that everyone is sharing everything that they have so that everyone goes without need. And I would say here when we get to chapter 6, the church has the capability to continue to meet everyone's needs, but some prejudices begin to arise. So the needs are being met, they should be met, but now we have a problem because there are a group of followers of Christ who've sort of let their cultural heritage get in the way of where they're at. I I tried to figure out how to illustrate this, so hopefully no one will be offended at this, but initially Harvest started as a mainly second-generation Korean-American church. Fair enough. And uh, over the years, we've added Chinese-Americans and Indian-Americans, So if you can, and Polish-Americans too, right? Amen to the Polish. But if you can imagine that uh, there's a great need for the widows in our church, and uh, we, don't, we don't have any yet as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but, but we don't have any needs like that. But imagine that in the midst of all of this, the first founding group members of Harvest said, you know what, I mean, we have these, these needs to meet the widows, meet them where they're at and that kind of stuff. But, you know, we really should focus on the Korean widows because, you know, they're here from the beginning. But, you know, the Chinese widows and the Indian widows and the Polish widows, we'll, we'll get to them eventually. But, you know, we're going to focus on, on, on our main target group of people. Now, how would you feel if you weren't a part of that Korean group? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? You'd feel like, Hey, hold on a second. Aren't we supposed to be a family? Aren't we supposed to be loving each other? And now you're telling me because I'm not Korean, we're not going to meet my needs? Kind of what's up with that? And so the Grecian Jews say exactly that. What's up with that? This is supposed to be a family. Jesus himself said, they will know you by your love for one another, and you're sort of neglecting the widows that are Greek. That really doesn't connect with me. Something's missing. And so exactly in chapter 6, verse 1, that's what they do. They complain. They say, listen, you are not taking care of our widows. You have the capacity. You have the capability. It can be done, but you're not doing it. We don't understand that. Because when we read scripture, the father heart of God is concerned about all widows. It doesn't say just the Jewish widows. It says all widows. And so this this isn't a prejudicial issue, but it's also a very spiritual issue because what is happening is the church has begun to turn from the heart of God, which is to care for widows who are in need. So this is a huge issue. So we have this problem here in the midst of this growth. Everything is going really well. So when the apostles hear this, what do they do? They say, okay, time out. Let's call a congregational meeting. How many of you guys love congregational meetings? Come on, raise your hands, because we're family. We love to get together. Okay, just me? I'm the only one? All right. I don't like him either, but that won't move on. That, I only said that because Pastor Dave's not here. 
I'm just, I, anyway, please don't digress. So look what happens. So the twelve gathered the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now when you hear this, you think, man, what's up with that? You're supposed to be the main caring group of people, and now you're saying we can't wait on tables? There's a reason. It's not because they didn't care. It's because the church is growing so much, a lot of their ministry is to teach these people who are disciples how to really follow Jesus. So this isn't a a thing where the pastor says, hey, listen, I'm not going to do anything in this church except study the word of God and pray. That is their instance. It's not our instance. And I hope at this church you can see that the pastors don't do that at all. Well, I shouldn't say do that at all. We do study the word of God. We do pray. But we don't say, oh, you know, we're not going to help out. So in the midst of this, they come up with a solution and they say, brothers, choose seven men from seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. In other words, these are your deacons. These are the people who are going to care for the needs of the people because the heart of God really wants to minister to these widows who are in need and have no way of taking care of themselves. This is the ministry that we're going to give to these seven guys and that is what they are going to focus on. They are going to pour their lives into it like nothing. And that's where the founder of Stephan Ministry gets the name because the first name mentioned is Stephan. Now, if you're looking a little bit further on, I'm glad it's not Timon. Could you imagine having a Timon ministry? You'd get a lot of Disney people coming like, yeah, that's really cool. What's a Timon ministry? But, you know, it's a Stefan ministry. Now, here's my personal opinion about where I think um, this is going. If you go to Willow Creek Care Center on Saturday mornings and, and invite everyone to come, it's a really good experience to minister to people in the community. But if you go to Willow Creek Community Care Center on Saturday mornings, I've only seen Bill Hybels there once. The guy is the pastor of the church, but he's only been there once. And you know, I saw him from a distance as he was walking to his car. So in other words, I've never seen him in the care center caring for people. Now, what I want you to catch is I'm not judging him. What I'm saying is his main ministry is the word of God and prayer. And the church has enlisted people to focus on that ministry. That's what's going on here. There's a sense of of the ability because how can that man lead a church of 20,000 plus people hearing from God, speaking to them about what God wants to say to them, and then expect him every Saturday for four hours to be out there? That's a little bit too much. Now, I'm not saying he's lazy because that man is very evangelistic. If you listen to his stories, he's not someone who sits in his high tower. What I'm trying to say is that's what's going on in the book of Acts and seen at Willow Creek Church, which is in our community. Now, I personally think our own church is a very good church. I I would imagine some of you might say, oh, you know, I've I've got a couple issues, which is probably true. We all have issues with the way things get done or what happens in the church because we're people. I understand that. I also think that we're also pretty decent, I will say decent, at caring for one another. Because unfortunately, in being a pastor, I don't hear as many stories as Dave does, and uh, I would imagine Jared and I hear stories as well on on an equal level, is that there are a lot of people who have been hurt by harvest. I'd like to say it wasn't an experience at all, but it's a reality. There are people who would say, you know, it's a decent church, it's a good church, we like this about it, we like about it, but I'll tell you something, there are people there who hurt me, and it really hurts, and I have to leave the church. We're a decent church. I think we're pretty good at caring when the occasion rises, 
but I don't know how far we're willing to walk with people until the end. And that's where Stefan Ministry comes inside because Stefan Ministry is what I would say God's way of raising up individual followers of Christ in the church to walk with people throughout the whole crisis. The whole crisis. Not just the first part. In a sense, as the guys explained at Stephen Ministry, we are like firefighters. Okay? In, in the sense that a pastor is a firefighter, he, the, the firefighter goes to the fire, they put it out. They don't hang around to rebuild. If they hung around to rebuild, then they'd be firefighter carpenters. And while they're rebuilding, if another fire comes, you have a problem. So they, they wanted to get a picture of, listen, if the pastors are the firefighters who put out the fire, then the church are the carpenters who come and rebuild. Walking with the people through the steps of their crisis that they're in the midst of, the pain that they're in the midst of as they're working through all of those things. This, this sense that God wants people to find church not to be a house, but a home. Because it is the Father heart of God that when people come, not just to worship to find Him, but to find Him in the midst of His people. So Stephen Ministry is one of those ministries that really comes alongside people and listens and cares. It's not an advice-giving thing. It's a listening and caring type ministry. Now, someone might be saying, okay, hold on a second. Does this mean we're going to become a touchy-feely church? You know, all that hugging stuff and the guys sitting around crying and all that. And, uh, you know, that's a little scary for me because, you know, emotions are cool if somebody else has them, but not me. I don't want them. So I just want to show you a video, if we could pull that up. And it's about a guy who uh, became a Stephen minister through a very interesting way. I was sitting in church one day. And uh, they told us about Stephen Ministry and that they were going to start training a new class in about six months. And they really needed men to sign up for that. And I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, I'm really into this touchy-feely stuff. I'm a retired senior naval officer and, uh, you know, feelings in the military, they kind of go in the bottom drawer of the dresser. And being caring and, and listening to people, what is that? All I want you to do is give me the facts, tell me the problem, and I'll fix it. And as soon as I'm done, I'll run on to the next one. Now, I don't know how you feel about it because that has nothing to do with it. Well, I went up afterwards and, and got a uh, the application for it and took it home, looked at it, kind of snickered and put it in the, in the drawer. And for the next three, three and a half months, the uh, Holy Spirit just kept hitting me on the back of the head right here. This was the spot. And I kept saying, go away. I don't have time for that. I don't want to do it. It's not me. So finally, I was goaded into getting the application out again and uh, going over it. And I, I answered every question the way that they that was truthful, you know. Here I am, a cigar-smoking, gin-drinking motorcycle rider, and uh, I, I thought I was a little too tough for this. But uh, they took the application, and they talked to me, and said, we'd like for you to come to training. Well, I dedicated the 50 uh, hours that it took and went and learned that, hey, 
you can learn to listen. You can learn to feel and care for somebody. And by the way, now my wife doesn't tell me, you never listen to me anymore because I have the skills and it has been very rewarding doing Stephen ministry work. All right. Well, I'm not a cigar-smoking, gin-drinking motorcyclist. But he just lays it out, man. I think most of us as guys, like, don't put me there. I want to say something. I think that's a bad spiritual attitude. Because I think the father heart of God is the father heart of God, which is full of emotion. And it's not like God is one of those blubbering sort of, you know, people that we can imagine that just cries at the drop of a hat. But God really has a big heart for people. And so when we can say, yeah, you know, that touchy-feely stuff is not for me. We're missing the heart of God. So whether you're male or female and you're one of those people who doesn't like that stuff, I want to encourage you to really look hard at your heart and ask the question, do I have God's heart in the midst of all of this? Because people are hurting in my church. And uh, it should matter. It should matter. If one of my brothers or my sister is going through a traumatic experience, I don't want to go, hey, man, not my family anymore. You have your family. I have my family. That's not a good family attitude. So do we have hurts and pains in this church? I'm going to go through this a little bit. I don't want you. I'm just going to, we're going to stand in the end, so don't stand in the beginning. When I'm finished, I'll ask whoever's experienced this to stand. So when I'm saying these, do not stand because I don't want to put anyone on the spot. So here we go. Has anyone here ever lost a loved one? Could be a grandparent that raised you that was really important to you. Could be a parent. Even if you didn't like your parent, but you still lost them, that affects you. A fiancé. Have you ever lost a child through miscarriage? Okay, if that's you, don't stand yet, but be ready to, all right? Have you ever lost a significant relationship? And what I mean by that, it could be a friendship. Or it could be someone a long time ago that you were dating somebody and they gave you that good old line, it's not you, it's not you, but it's me, right? Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever experienced any marital difficulties? Intense, prolonged struggle in any way, shape, or form. Anyone here been divorced? Suffered through infertility? Gave birth to a special needs child or adopted one or adopted anybody? has experienced abuse in any way, shape, or form, whether it's verbal, physical, emotional, or sexual? Have you ever been depressed? Have you ever experienced postpartum depression? Have you ever struggled as a parent where sometimes you think to yourself, I'm ruining these kids rather than helping them? Or just struggled with being a parent? Have you ever come close to having a nervous breakdown? Have you ever had a job loss? That last or went on for months on end. Have you ever had a midlife crisis? Have you ever been hospitalized? Anyone here ever had a life-threatening illness? Or someone in your family who had a life-threatening illness, such as a cancer? Have you ever been in trouble with the law? Experienced some sort of natural disaster or a serious car accident? Have you ever had a physical disability? In any way, shape, or form. And for me, as I get older and I start losing my eyesight where I can't see stuff, you can't move as much, you begin to get a little bit depressed because you're realizing you're older and you're you're more mortal than you were when you were younger. Have you ever moved your family across the country 
or ever move to another church, leaving the family that loves you so much. The bottom line, have you ever had any traumatic event that has ever affected you? Okay, now, after all that, stand up if you've experienced it. Let's see what we got here. And for those of that you don't stand, man, that's pretty good life. <laughs> okay, look around. Basically, everyone is standing except for the few that are saying, they ain't standing, man, ain't no way I'm moving. You can sit down. Do you see the need? Do you see the need? Okay, but understand this. This is a church of 120 people, okay? Imagine the people that are right now sitting in their homes that have all experienced that and have no one to turn to. Neither family, nor church, nor God. Now, let me ask you, do you think Stephen ministry is something that's important? I think the answer is yes. Because the Father heart of God, when it says God so loved the world, it wasn't just a spiritual experience. It was a whole life experience. The sense that God really loves people and wants to draw them to himself is a reality. And what he needs is a church made up of people who are like us, that are willing to care, not just when the house burns down, but care enough to stick with that person until the very end. And I'll say this much as a church, whether you know it or not, when the main custodian here, when his house burned and they moved out, our church supported them for a long time, walking with them. That's what God calls the church. This, because Understand this. When they're dealing with widows, they're not going to sit down and say, hey, let's have re-education classes, not in the bad way, but in, in the way. So we're going to educate you and train you. These ladies have no support for the rest of their lives. They need someone to walk with them for the rest of their lives. And that's the intent of the church. And that's why it's a problem because the Greek Christians are saying, man, what's going on here? The father heart of God is towards the widow and the orphan, anyone who has need. And you guys aren't meeting it. And again, they're calling into question, do you really have the father heart of God? Do you really understand what God has called us to? And it's there in the midst of the church, the congregation repents and says, this is what we're going to do in order to meet this need. Now, here's what we need to understand. It's early. The training was intense. Now, uh, Dave, you're a pretty strapping young man. Why don't you come up here for a second? This is just a little illustration of what the training was like and how important this is. If you could uh, pick up this box for me. This is the box that they gave us on the first day. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> 35 pounds, baby. Um, can you lift it over your head for about five? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> you can put it down. Thank you. It was a good illustration, though. This is how important this ministry is. <laughs> and uh, we'll give you Advil later and no disability from work. It's, this is how important this ministry is. And I know this is short because I want us to spend some time ministering. I, I don't know, um, you know how Seeds is going to react to how short this is. But I want us to see that as, as a church, I really believe that this training is long. Not because they like length. 
but because we really need to get the Father heart of God to understand what it means to care. I wish I could say it is easy to care for people. If we're all honest, it's not. Sometimes it's even hard to care for family. But Acts chapter 6 is saying that when it comes to caring for people, it is dealing with the Father heart of God for us to really be invested and involved in the lives of everyone in the church, that we might meet the needs of everyone who is in the church. We need a staff in ministry, not only in our own church, but also as an influence for the community. Now, one of the cool stories that Randy and I heard, we're sitting at the table one day, and they were just sharing some of their Stefan ministry stories. And I say Stefan because I like Stefan and it's better than Stephen. So that's why he said Stephen, but I say Stefan. But as we're sitting there in the circle, this lady says, you know, the really thing, cool thing about being a Stefan minister was this. Well, one day we're in Arizona and we're about to get on a plane and we're heading back to Tennessee. And uh, I'm standing behind this woman and she is sobbing and crying and sobbing and crying. And she goes, my brother just died. I'm trying to get back to Tennessee. I'm in a real mess. I need a Stephan minister. And the crazy thing about that is what God does is there's one right behind her. And so all the way from Phoenix to Tennessee, she's holding on to this woman's hand and she's crying. The lady's crying and crying and crying. And she's just there. Is that not the father heart of God? It is. In the midst of her pain, she cried out and said, God, I need help. And God said, look right behind you. To me, that kind of solidified the fact that, man, this is really something that is, if God gets a hold of a church and there's like 12,500 congregations that have grasped onto this, if they would just get a hold of this and care for each other, a watching world sees the love that we have for each other, like Jesus said in John 13. And says, I want that. I want that. I want that. To me, one of the other selling points was this. That around most of the tables, <clears throat> everyone who was learning how to be a caregiver had been a care receiver. And what that means is, I so believe in this ministry because I experienced it. Someone walked with me through my crisis. We sat at a table where two people had been divorced. And they said, man, that really held on to us. And now we've met each other. What you have is someone coming alongside someone else and saying, I believe in this because I've experienced it. Most of us, when we've come to Christ, what do we say? This is the best thing ever. And it is. And we want to share it because it is the best thing ever. And what these people were saying is this caregiving ministry, someone coming alongside of me and actually ministering to me and caring, not wanting something from me, but just caring, really drew me to Christ. Brought comfort to me in the midst of my crisis. Now, you could be in high school saying, man, all that stuff, a lot of that stuff wasn't me. But you have kids in your school that are cutting, right? Kids that want to take their lives because the pressure's too much. Relationships that have been broken up and they feel like it's the end of the world. So you're not out of this either. It's a part of your lives as well. It's a part of everyone's life. There are people who are in need and God wants to meet it. And the only way it's going to get met is if his people turn around and do something about it. And you might get scared a little bit because you're thinking, well, does that mean 
that I have to have all the answers? And the answer is simple, no, you don't. Because what Jesus calls us to do, and this is what I'm going to finish with, Jesus calls us to care. But he is the cure. Does that make sense? He doesn't ask you to cure anyone. He doesn't ask you to be the healing bomb. He just asks you to be there. Then he will cure the issue. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mind. But ultimately, we are his heart. And so to me, Stephen Ministries' importance is the fact that it raises the level of care in a church and says, yes, community group, good place to get cared for. Little fellowships, Good place to get cared for. But if you're looking for someone, and hopefully you can find that in community group or some other group that you're in, but if you're really looking for someone who is going to intentionally come alongside you, like the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and comforts us, then the person you're looking for is a Stephan minister. So here's what I want to do. I want us to spend a little time caring for each other, even now. And uh, I'm not going to do like... Like they do at the conference, which is mix it up a little bit and go with somebody you're unfamiliar with, and then that, because that's really awkward, right? Like if I said, uh, Andy, we have a visitor over here, why don't you sit down with them? It's a little awkward. No offense to anyone who's a visitor. But why don't you do someone that you are actually caring for, or someone you like, just turn to them and ask them, what do you want me to pray for? Don't give advice, let them share. Then pray for them. And then take turns. Fair enough? If you're a married couple, this is okay to do it. You can actually pray with each other. We're not going to have you go crazy. All right? If you don't have someone, in the next minute or two, I'll connect you with someone. All right? That'll be a little awkward, but at least we'll try. All right? So you got one minute. Find your prayer partner. If you don't have one, I'll help you. Then I'm going to let us pray for five minutes, and then we'll have the worship team come on up. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.